Hey, Nothing is Wasted family. Are you currently walking through a specific valley and looking for resources to help you in your pain? I think we can all attest to the fact that there is tremendous comfort in hearing from those who have walked a similar path and have found hope and healing on the other side. That's why we've created collections of resources called Curated Pathways to help you navigate your specific pain points. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place to speak to what you're experiencing right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, masterclasses, live coaching, and everything in between. I mean, let's admit it. When you're facing a crisis, loss, or trauma, you just don't have the time, energy, or emotional bandwidth to search for or wade through all of the resources that could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways have to offer by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire curated pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted curated pathways, as well as our entire library of masterclasses, bonus episodes, live coaching, live events, replays, and more. As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows. Our team has been working very hard on this to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you or to friends and family that you know who are going through a tough time. We know what it's like to face pain, and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus, or get a taste of our curated pathways by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. You can find both of those links in the show notes of this episode. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story, and we're committed to giving you resources in an easy way for you to access those so that you can do just that. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts... Davy Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davy, and I'm Aubrey. We're so glad that you're with us today. And Davy, I, you know this. We were talking about this before we started <laughs> recording. I am so excited about this episode with I Kim Charette. Can I? I gotta tell the people about Please like do. who she is and what she T- does. Tell her I, how you just responded when we were doing some of the prep before this. I mean, I almost started crying. <laughs> I can't handle it. So, okay, she's married. She's a mom of two. She had a lot of childhood pain, abusive alcoholic father. But the amazing part of her story is that she found a lot of healing through, um, uh, like, horse therapy. A relationship with a horse. A relationship with a horse. This sounds like a Hallmark movie, but it's real. No, seriously, it does. (laughs) They should make a Hallmark movie. They should make a Hallmark movie. (laughs) So she started a nonprofit organization called Hope Reigns. It's in North Carolina. It has served over 2,600 
Kids in Crisis. So she ministers to families dealing with trauma ages 5 to 18 through horse therapy, equine therapy. Right. And I, I don't know. It makes you, it made me want to cry because here's the, the kicker. Maybe you tell the kicker. You say Uh, it because I'll, I'll get too emotional. The major kicker is that these horses that they are utilizing for this equine therapy have been rescued out of trauma themselves. They can't handle it. So rescued horses are helping (laughs) rescued children. This is pain to purpose. It is pain to purpose, right? Yeah. It stepped into the animal kingdom. (laughs) So cool. I feel like. We have a we have a curriculum for adults. We're trying to formulate a curriculum for kids. Maybe we need to formulate one for we need animals. one for animals. G- Kim Shred has done it. Yeah, and it's unbelievable to see what they have done with this. And and her spirit, her heart, and all. I was just blown away. I had never heard of Kim. Right. Yeah. And you would think something this amazing right. that it would have been on our radar somehow. Right. And as I'm talking to her, I'm like, how have I, ne- this is unreal. How what do you're people doing? not know about what she's doing? I'm so glad we're having her on the show because of that, because I think more oh people my goodness. need to hear. Well, um, and really, we just want you guys to, we want you guys to be aware of the fact that there are so many people out there, faithful people out there who are taking the trauma that they've experienced, the tragedy that they've gone through, and they're turning it around to help right. other people. Yeah, they're walking right. in this redemptive thing that God is writing in their lives. And you may have never heard of them. And that's like, that's the point, right? This is yeah. not about <laughs> right. notoriety right. or infamy or anything. Mm. This is about Jesus. Man. And we, we're we determined just to bring you these stories so you can hear about them and you can support them. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Everyday heroes. Um, hey, Davey, I do want to kind of transition a little bit because up, uh, these next few days for you yeah. are pretty significant. And I realize that some of our listeners are tuning in because they know what's going on in your world. Right. And so right. do you, can I put you on the spot and have you update yeah, what's going on before we uh, transition to the, the Absolutely. interview? Okay. Yeah, you may. I mean, we want to be very, we're very aware of the fact that you may be new to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast or Nothing Is Wasted Ministries in general um, and, and hearing about it because of my late wife's trial. Um and so as of the time of this recording, we record these intro and outro segments to these interviews. We record them in advance. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're right now at the time of this recording, two weeks out from September 19th, the trial uh, beginning. Yeah. Now, obviously, it has been pushed many times um, over the course of this year. It's been mistried twice. And so we have no idea if it's actually going to happen. Um, but we want to make sure we're prepared and that we're preparing you. And one, we're saying welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. If you're new listening with us, so glad all you're we're here. doing here is we're trying to help you partner with God to take back your story. That's right. And we believe that stories are powerful. So we share stories of people who have gone through really difficult things, and yet God's shown up in those difficult things and has brought them through into a place of healing and redemption and purpose. And so, you know, if you need some hope and you need some inspiration, you're at the right place. Um, this is all we're trying to do. And then, you know, secondly, um, I'm not going to, and probably over the next several episodes, you're not going to hear me talk much about yeah. the trial, if anything yeah. at all, because I'm, I don't know, we're, I mean, you know, I'm looking in advance right now right. to the trial and, uh, and I'll, you know, we'll put some stuff up, we'll make some statements afterwards. Um, but we'll most importantly spend some time just kind of processing through everything afterwards. So just be aware of that. Just know that this is not in real time what when you're listening to this. So we want to make sure we acknowledge that. Yeah, and we're all, I mean, I'll, I'll speak on behalf of the listeners, David. We are praying for you and your family and praying that this time oh, things you, actually go through and there's not another mistrial. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, with that, there's not a great way to transition, but I think let's go ahead. And I'm so yeah. excited about this episode. So let's yeah, take a too. listen to Davy's conversation with Kim Charette. Kim, it's so great to have you joining me on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor. Kim, I, I have a feeling that we like kind of have some cross circles. You're over in the Carolinas. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about you, where you live, your family, kind of what you do, because I, I'm really fascinated by what you guys do, your mission as a family. Obviously, that's going to tie into you know your story, and, and we're going to talk mm-hmm. quite a bit about that. But go ahead and give us a little bit of context for who you are, and then we'll dive back in and kind of come along the journey with you. Sure. That sounds great. Yeah. So I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, and I'm married. I've been married for 24 years to have two kids, uh, almost empty nesters, which I'm really not ready to be an empty nester. Um, and I'm ready uh, to be an empty I, nester, Kim. Uh, listen, it goes so fast. So just oh, enjoy man. it. The days are long, but the years fly by is what that's I what everyone says. Really so true. I have to, I guess I have, that's gotta be true, right? Everyone enjoy says the that. littles. Yeah. Cause soon they're going to be big, big men. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how many um, kids? then two i have a two. son that's okay. 20 and a daughter that's 17 wow. so yeah wow. yeah college tours yeah um and uh, i am the founder and ceo of a faith-based nonprofit called hope reigns and mm. we pair um kids uh ages 5 to 18 that are experiencing trauma and life crisis with horses that have been rescued from similar circumstances and wow. we share the hope and healing of jesus with our kids and families through this beautiful relationship and connection that they make with our horses. Wow. I don't know if the, if the viewer, the listener picked up on this, but there was something subtle that you said right there that is Mm -hmm. really, really powerful. Not only do you uh, work with kids who are in trauma, but you, you use as a tool horses who have been rescued from similar situations or in their own respect. Right. And so you're pairing those two together almost as a partnership in each of their recoveries. That's, awesome because that's like a very holistic approach in terms of, you know, I mean, really just if you think macro level, you know, creation, created things, the creator, like all of that stuff. I'm like, this is mind blowing. So I can't wait to hear kind of your strategy around that and why you guys chose to do this. Um, and, and I'm fascinated. I told you off the air, I'm fascinated by this too, because Christy and I have just this life purpose of helping people heal, you know, so on mm-hmm. the spiritual and emotional front with nothing is wasted, on her front with holistic medicine and functional medicine. And so we've often dreamed about having some kind of a farm where we can invite people on those holistic retreats and horses has mm-hmm. been part of that dream as well. And maybe the, you know, equestrian side of things. So I'm super excited about this conversation and I'm excited for the tools and resources that our, our listeners, our community are going to receive from you. So why don't we jump back and talk to me about, cause this, this all started, or at least the dream or the idea started with some of your own painful journey. Yes. So why don't why yeah. don't you share with with us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I grew up in uh, Ohio, outside of Cleveland, in a, a idyllic suburb uh, that where everything was great, um, and uh, we lived in a beautiful home. My dad was a very successful businessman, and it all looked really good, right? Mm. From the outside, everything looked perfect. Uh, and what people didn't know is that it wasn't good on the inside. And my dad was uh, an alcoholic and um, very abusive. And I never felt safe as a little girl uh, in mm. my own home. And uh, we never were able to talk about it. 
Um, I'm sure a lot of people have experienced um, addiction and abuse, and it's so shameful. And it was just, I, I have almost, as a kid, felt a little crazy because I would bring up like, what happened? And it yeah. would just be completely cut off, right? And so my message as a little girl is there's something wrong with you. Hmm. Uh, that was like, and that's a lot of therapy has helped me unpack. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're not okay, and there's something wrong with you. Wow. And so um, I went down that performance route in life because I really wanted to try to make my dad love me and it never really worked. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Man. So you're, you know, going through your upbringing, your childhood, you're trying to perform and what did there come up like a breaking point where you, you realized, man, this is, you know, this, I, I like, I'm going to have to get some help for this. Or is this kind of been a slow and gradual journey for you to begin to untangle this? You know, cause a lot of times, you know, this with trauma, we grow up, if, if anybody's grown up with childhood trauma, they can be conditioned to think that that's normal, you know, and that, mm -hmm. that usually at some point they have some kind of like moment where they go, wait, this isn't normal. Mm -hmm. And now I'm really needing some help. What did that look like for you? Yeah, it's such a great question. I think when I was when I was younger, I realized it wasn't normal, but again, didn't really ever talk to anybody about it except my one friend, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But it really wasn't until I became an adult um, that I started to realize like how much I try to control everything in my life because it was the only way I could feel safe, right? Because everything in my life was out of control. So I just had some things in my life that I knew I needed to work on. And so I was in some secular therapy and it really wasn't until I came to Christ that I really started to unpack this in, in a way that was really beneficial and healing. Uh, and that was after my mom died and my dad um, left us. So yeah, it was, it was, I kind of wow. had nowhere else to go. So. Yeah. 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 Can you, can you take us on that journey a little bit? What was that experience like? And you're, you know, everybody has a different, um, moment for some people, it's like a, this, you know, really crazy big one moment where they, you know, uh, come to know Christ and they receive what he made available for them on the cross. And for others, it's, it's a little bit yeah. more of a longer journey, but for you, what was that like? Yeah, I think for, I can't remember a time in my life when I didn't live with the, um, when this happens, then I'm going to be happy, right? When I get a new mm -hmm. job, when I move, when I whatever, because I was so seeking that thing inside of me, that gaping emptiness to be filled. And I tried to fill it with a lot of different things. And um, after I got married and we moved to North Carolina, um, and I just started seeking church. I, and I couldn't go mm -hmm. to church without sobbing. I would just go to church and cry. And I don't know if I just wasn't ready or, you know, you live in the South, they're, they're pretty yeah. clear about Jesus down here. And yeah, I think right. I just heard it for the first time that it's Jesus. Mm. Jesus is the way he is the way to salvation. He is the way to tr true hope and real healing. And, um, I was in a Bible study and it just, it just hit me. I just got the invitation and mm. I just knew this was what I had been waiting for my whole life. Wow. That's amazing. So then, yeah. you know, in what ways, you know, you said you were in kind of secular therapy. So obviously you were aware of some of the childhood trauma that you had experienced and, and yet it was the gospel from what I'm hearing that really helped you to begin to have some handles, you know, and being able to untangle this. What was it about the gospel that really, you know, how did that begin to apply and permeate um, some of this childhood trauma and begin to help you untangle mm -hmm. it? 
Yeah. Well, I think coming from the performance girl who feels like I have to control everything to be safe, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was really just the the fact that I didn't need to do anything, right? It's it's grace and that God just loves me because wow. he made me, right? And there wasn't anything that I needed to do other than humble myself and, and accept what he was offering. Uh, and so that was just a really big, big, big revelation for me. And I lived for even then a long time where I was really okay with Jesus, but not so okay with God, right? Because that father wound mm. for me was just so hard. And I had such a hard time believing, okay, God, you really do love me. Like there's like, even, even in creating Hope Reigns and starting in my work right. there, there was a long period of time where I was still performing. And so it just really took, it's taken a long time to stop those habits and really, really believe that, that grace and love. Wow. Yeah. You, you know, I, I know that you talk about kind of your own journey in three parts. I, and I, I love this because the bookends are something we talk about quite a bit. You, you talk about it from pain, you talk about it performance, you talk about it purpose, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously we talk quite a bit about from pain to purpose and there's usually some things in between, but you know, how, how is that then your journey you know, if, if you could kind of in two parts, could you unpack, what do you mean by, okay, pain, performance, purpose, and then how is that informed and what was the journey like to kind of move you to what you're doing right now as, mm-hmm. as an outwork of this? Yeah. Well, I think the pain obviously of childhood of, uh, of growing up in that chaos and never feeling that unconditional love. Um, and I didn't, well, I didn't have anybody to tell my secret to, I did have one, one, thing that I talked to when I was a child and that was a horse. Um, my dad, I don't know why, I don't know what the connection was, but, um, got my sister and I both horses. And, um, but even that unfortunately became performance, uh, because the barn that I was at was a really big show barn and he wanted me to show and perform. And all I wanted was to be with my horse. And Mm -hmm. I have such vivid memories uh, of sitting in his stall or taking him grazing and really pouring my heart out. It was the only time I ever talked about what happened to me. Wow. And many years later, having you know gone through the things we discussed and coming to Christ, I was at a women's retreat where one the leader asked a question, what is something you used to do that you loved that you don't do anymore? And I was a mom at the time and um, I, and God just popped horses back into my head. <laughs> I was just gonna and say, as a mom at the time, you're like uh, everything. I don't get to I do know. any of that I don't anymore. do anything anymore. Anything that I enjoy anymore. Exactly. <laughs> so I could have had a million things that I could have thought of that I don't yeah. do anymore. And it was, but it was horses, which I hadn't thought about horses wow. since, you know, I left it all behind when I had to go to college. And so God just popped this idea in my head. And so it was really like a two-year journey that I went on where I thought I was, I started taking riding lessons again. I was going to buy a horse, all this stuff. And then I all of a sudden found uh, this book written by uh, an organization in Oregon that was working with kids and trauma and horses. Mm. And I remember sitting in my bed, this is back before Google and Amazon, well, maybe Amazon was out then, but... I got this book from the library, okay, if that tells you how long ago it was. And I was in my bed sobbing, reading this book, and my husband came in and he's like, what is going on? And I was like, this is it. This is what, because I felt this pushing and this moving and like knowing God had something for me, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And I read the book and yeah, that was it. Wow. That was it. That's amazing. Well, a couple of things you've said right there that I think are, are really profound. One that, that distinction that you articulated about your relationship with the horse, you were like, 
you know, what I was being pressured into was this performance driven mindset with this horse. And yet what I really wanted was just to be present with the horse. And I, mm-hmm. as you said that, I was like, wow. Cause isn't mm-hmm. that so many of our journeys just it, metaphorically when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, I mean, oh, how yeah. many of us slip into this mindset that says we, we have to perform, we have to earn, we have to like be in right graces with God. We have to, and so we build our identity and what we can do or what we can produce, how we can yeah. perform. And yet the Lord's just inviting us to be present with him, you know? Mm-hmm. And so in some yeah. ways, obviously without it being kind of some weird, you know, pantheism type thing, in some ways it's like God was very much represented by this horse, mm-hmm. you know, and, and before you even recognize that like, oh, this is what God's inviting me into, the heavenly father's inviting me into, you started working that out with this horse. Yeah. And it, it was it, a gift. Yeah. yeah. It was a gift for me. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. And then yeah. the other thing I, I thought that was really insightful as you're talking about, you know, this idea of pain, performance, and purpose is I feel like that everybody who's listening to this could probably think about their word that goes in the middle, mm-hmm. right? On your journey, you're like, okay, well, here's my pain. Here's mm-hmm. this childhood trauma, this abuse that I experienced. And then here's this purpose that is the outworking of the redemptive you know, plan that God has for me in this. But there's something that has to be wrestled with, something that has to be an altercation that has to happen, a very real one that has to happen with whatever this thing is that I'm building my identity in. So call it performance call it, you know, shame, call it greed, call it jealousy, whatever it is, call it, it's an identity issue that's going on right there. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, even as you're saying this, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's telling all of our community, like, what is that word right there mm-hmm. in the middle of your journey yeah. that he's inviting yeah, you really to powerful. wrestle with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit? Cause you know, obviously you stated this before we s- jumped on the air that just the condition of mental health issues around the country, both with adults, but, but really, especially for kids. And can, what, what are you seeing with this? Cause you're, you're working very closely with kids who have, you know, have undergone some kind of trauma. And so you're, you know, microscopic up close view of the mental health, the state of the mental, mental health in our nation today. Can you just kind of give us your observations of that? Sure. Um, I mean, I think you can't pick up anything on the news without hearing about the mental health crisis with kids. And I honestly don't think it's anything different than what we've seen. I think COVID amplified and I think it magnified a problem that already existed. I know for our state, unfortunately, ranks in last place for providing mental health services for kids mm. in the United States. And that wow. hasn't changed, right? It's only just gotten worse. Wow. And um, and it was hard before the pandemic for a child or a teen to get help, to even get in the, if, you're, if they're suicidal, they can't even get a bed in the hospital or they can't yeah. find a therapist. And that again is just really been amplified. And then children who maybe haven't experienced trauma have experienced a lot of anxiety and and all sorts of issues because of the pandemic. And so I think it's really amplified. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe whether it be anecdotally or, or you know, just from like scientific research, um, could you explain to us why this works? You know, as mm-hmm. you're, I mean, you're working with kids and you're working with animals and you're like, you know, and to me, I'm the kind of person that, you know, I like the, I like the mechanics of it. I like to know like, why is this, how is this working? Right. I like to yeah. observe things and go there. Okay. Something's behind like what's actually making this pairing of these two things work. And obviously so many of us are probably familiar with 
you know, um, this type of therapy, but, but to be honest with you, I don't understand, like, how does this actually, why, why does this work? Do you, do you have any insight into that? <clears throat> yeah, I think, um, you, you know, it's interesting. I was reading an article the other day that was talking about how to build resiliency into your kids mm. and it talked about kids needing hope. Right. But it was a secular article and it was about, well, tomorrow's going to be a better day. It was kind of like, you know, making it all about, um, having a positive attitude and those things are all really important but i think i think people need hope like they need real hope right and um i think for us the what we do is you know kids come to us they are so socially and emotionally shut down from their trauma and the very first thing we do when we come out our ranch is a safe refuge and if you came and stepped foot on our ranch even if you're not a believer you are going to feel that peace you're going to feel the holy spirit and wow. And simply just being in the presence of horses reduces your anxiety. It reduces uh, depression. There's just wow. all sorts of studies that that show um, just simply being around a horse is yeah. is uh, beneficial. But what we really start with, Davey, it, that you hit on earlier is we don't look at a kid and say, wow, I'm really sorry you were sexually abused. We mm. say, I'm so glad you're here and I want you to meet Ruka and I want you to hear her story. And so mm. we take them on a tour and we go around and we meet all of our horses and we share their story of rescue. So the story is the point of connection. It's the bridge. Wow. And they have oftentimes been hurt most of the time by a person. So um, inevitably, they connect to a certain story. Either a horse sounds like them or some of our horses, maybe um, they offer something in their story that they want, whether that's mm. safety or a horse that seems a little more like we have one of our horses named Hero, right? Who doesn't want yeah. to be with a hero? Yeah. And then sometimes, honestly, a horse will just walk right over to the fence line and just stick their head over the fence and put their nose right on their chest and say, I choose you. And it is so wow. like, and it's just the Holy Spirit. Like yep. we can't make yep. it up. You know, we don't, we don't prepa prepare kids with horses. It just happens. Wow. Uh, and then we work on building that relationship and they're paired with a mentor. And so the mentor, okay. everything we do is one-on-one. -on -one. So it's one child or teen, one horse and one mentor. And the very first thing we have to work on is is they need to feel safe so that they can start to trust because without that, they can't heal. Wow. And so that's really the beginnings of, of what we do. Wow. What's the average time that a child is on that journey with you guys? Do you guys we have, have a three-year, three, three year five-step program pathway that takes okay. kids, we say, from trauma to resilience, right? And it. Wow. It's there's there's four things that we're after with our kids. We want them to know that they're safe, they matter, they're not alone, and they have purpose. And that all aligns with the four things horses teach us, which is trust, communication, boundaries, and leadership. And so we have a journey that we take them on um, in that order where we build the trust, we help them to know that they matter and having good boundaries. Um, and, and work that into, wow. into our kids give back program where they can volunteer and, and express leadership. Wow. Um, but it's, it's really about a three-year journey. Some kids might get, you know, um, he'll, he'll be in a better place earlier, um, than that. Um, 50% yeah. of our kids live at or below the poverty line and they have okay. no support anywhere. And sometimes the kids that come that maybe do have extra support, they might be with us 18 months or two years, and then they're ready to to join a sports team and like, yeah, you know, engage yeah. back in life. But on average, wow. it's probably about three years. Well, you bring up a good point right there with most of the kids living below at or below the poverty line. 
And I'm curious about this because I'm obviously as a ministry leader, an entrepreneur and someone who's getting questions of people or from people about how they turn their pain into purpose and what that looks like. Funding is a huge issue when it comes Mm -hmm. to that, right? Like some people are able to kind of turn their pain into purpose as a hobby. Some people are looking to build something that requires some kind of, you know, underwriting financial means, whatever. What does that look like for you guys? How have you guys figured out or, or still, I mean, funding is always something you're always figuring out, right? But how have you guys kind of approached that, especially when it seems like a lot of your kids don't have the ability to, or their families don't have the ability to pay for these kinds of services. Right. That's a great question. All of our services are free for our families because we don't want there to be any barrier for them, you know, because even if you're, you don't live at or below the poverty line, uh, when you are in a mental health crisis, it's very expensive, very, very expensive. So even some of our families who, who could pay, afford to pay something, are paying therapists and other doctors and things. Um, but we just have learned, first of all, I want to be really clear, we're not therapists. We are lay people. Yeah. Uh, we we have a trauma-informed approach, which simply means we're meeting our kids exactly where they are. Wow. Um, one of the most meaningful things that we've learned is um, a lot of times kids in trauma behave badly, according yeah. to the world. Right. And right. instead of looking at them and saying, what's wrong with you, we look at them and say, what's happened to you, right? Mm. So we're we're after understanding where are they and whatever they bring, yeah. is where we meet them. And we have a training wow. that we put our staff and and everybody through. And and from a liability standpoint, it just helps us to be able to talk about Jesus, right? Because yeah. once you start paying for something, yep. you know, we just we just want to be able to to share about Jesus. Yep. And we want everybody to be able to partake in that. And so we have chosen to keep things free. Yeah. And we have very generous donors who um, they're wow. really not, they love our horses, but they love our kids and yeah. they love helping kids in crisis. And most of our, the people that are involved at Hope Reigns, they all have their own story, right, yeah. of pain. And this is their way of giving back. Wow. Wow. Hey friend, I'm wondering if you or someone you know has been impacted by the loss of a loved one by suicide. We know how confusing, shocking, and painful any loss can be, but especially when it comes in such a tragic, sudden, and oftentimes surprising way. This is why we want to invite you to join us on Thursday, September 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for our upcoming Masterclass, Surviving the Unthinkable, Finding God in the Aftermath of Suicide, with our very own Nothing is Wasted certified coach, Brooke Talley. Now, if you haven't heard Brooke's story You need to go and listen to my conversation with her in episode 181, where she describes the heartache she experienced in losing her husband to suicide, and also the hope she's found in Christ since then. I'm telling you, if you've not met Brooke or heard her, she is a woman that exudes hope. In this upcoming masterclass, Brooke's going to talk with us about how to untangle common emotional experiences like shock shame and guilt in the aftermath of suicide, how to embrace mystery with a childlike faith. Uh, We're going to talk about the cost of forgiveness and also the necessity of it. And and, and she's going to talk about naming the truth of God's character in dark spaces and so much more. You're not going to want to miss this masterclass. If you or someone you love have been impacted by suicide, you need to be a part of this important conversation by simply signing up at nothingiswasted.com slash Masterclass. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash masterclass. Once you register, 
You'll receive an email that will tell you exactly how to join the live event on September 15th. Now, if you can't make it live and you want to catch the replay, all of our masterclass replays are available exclusively to our Community Plus members for just $20 a month or $200 a year. There on Community Plus, you can access all of our Nothing is Wasted content library, including past masterclasses, curated pathways, live coaching replays, bonus episodes, and more. I especially like our many courses that we offer there on Community Plus. So in order to join Community Plus, go to nothingiswasted.com slash Community Plus. Both the Masterclass link and the Community Plus link will be here in the show notes. You can easily access both of those from the show notes. We wish you never had to experience the pain of losing someone you love to suicide. But we know that even in the depths of that pain, you can partner with God to take back your story and you can experience healing and hope. I really hope you'll join us, join Brooke on September 15th for this really special, special event. I think that's an important thing to note, you know, that idea of like being able to be untethered and have the freedom to be able to share the gospel that sometimes you can get hamstrung by that if you're taking, you know, especially federal grants and things. I mean, there's certain restrictions around some of that stuff. And if you're working with other, you know, government assistant type programs and while those, although that might be the right route for some people, Mm -hmm. I do love that you are able to do this unencumbered by some of those policies or restrictions. And, um, and I think that's something that's important if someone's looking to step out and kind of start an endeavor to, as an outwork of their purpose, I think it's important to look at those things and go, how do we make sure that we're doing this in such a way that it's not going to, you know, later hamstring us. Um, and so that's, that's really, really powerful. Speaking of that, when it comes to the gospel and stuff, what, what is the, draw the line for me, right. In terms of like the, the breadcrumbs, how does that actually work in terms of, you know, I'm hearing, uh, a child comes to you and there is, you know, there's this trauma informed connection where we're, we start with this approach of where they're at. What does the journey look like to get them to the gospel? Cause now they're starting to build this trust in this horse, mm-hmm. which is right. It's a good thing. It's similar to what we were talking about with you earlier. Right. But then there's gotta be this bridge that, that kind of re helps to rewire their brain that says, no matter what, how someone has hurt you, abused you, betrayed you, um, there is this person that can be trusted and his name is Jesus. How does that bridge happen for you guys, you know, tactically? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Harvard even has a study that talks about kids and trauma and why is it that some um, can bounce back and have resiliency while some end up the incarcerated and the homeless and right. the drug addicted. And they talk about the number one thing that kids and trauma need is one safe adult relationship. Wow. And that's what we provide every single day out at Hope Rain. So they have wow. their safe relationship with their horse, but then their safe mentor, right? And it takes time, right? Yep. We build that trust. We communicate. Um, as a mentor, we share our story with our kids, right? We have, um, you know, our kids understand we've struggled with hard things. And we have about, gosh, maybe 65 different um I guess opportunities that we teach and train on in a toolkit for our staff and volunteers of activities that we can do with a horse that tie connection in with God or tie connection in with the gospel. And so it's not uh, more of a preaching thing. It's more of a side by side and we're doing this activity and 
wow, did you notice right. this? Or right. gosh, you know, God, God often does blank. Or mm. I know in my life, Jesus really has helped me when I felt how you feel, yep. you know? And so yep. we're weaving it. It's, it's in relationship. It's woven into what we're doing. Yep. And, um, yeah. And then we also have times where we, we might read Bible passages. I mean, it's just, it's really interwoven into everything that we do. Wow. And so it feels very natural. Which is super cool because you guys have done gone the extra mile and been intentional about making sure that this is an experiential thing for them. You know, it mm-hmm. feels very rabbinical in the, in terms of how you're teaching things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, rabbis would teach. So obviously Jesus was a rabbi in and of his own right, but, um, rabbis would teach experientially. They wouldn't like, yeah. you know, give lectures. They're always walking. It's like going about life. This is what discipleship is. Like you're going about life and then you're using and utilizing the things around you to kind of create and draw connections with kingdom concepts. And so that's what you guys are doing. And it would be very easy for you, for people to program something. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing inherently. It'd be very, but it, it, it does kind of fall short sometimes where you're programming, you're like getting somebody on an environment and then you're putting them in front of a lectern, you know, and you're, teaching them or preaching them something. And then mm-hmm. you guys have gone the extra mile to say, no, we're going to, we're just going to experience this with them because this mm-hmm. emotional experiential connection is what really begins to untangle this trauma for this child. Right. And we, we really depend on the Holy spirit and the stuff that happens. I mean, you can't, you can't make it up. And then we have, we minister to the whole family. So the parent or caregiver has a listener that they're working with. And we have parents that have come to Christ and it, you know, so it's, it's really, uh, yeah, it's really a beautiful thing. Wow. I'm curious about the, um, the journey for the rescued horse, you know, I'm, I'm sure as soon as you, uh, what, what does that look like? You know, as far as learning about one kind of quote unquote acquisition of a rescued horse, and then the point where you've rescued them and now they're ready to, in mm. some ways be a rescuer for these kids. What does that look like? You know, what's that journey look like? Yeah. In the beginning, we worked with a, a, a rescue organization because rescuing a horse out of uh, abuse and trauma is its own ministry. And it's right, it's right. very time consuming and expensive. And so we built partnership in the beginning with some organizations that went and frontline rescued. And mm-hmm. then um, we would go and you know meet the horse, see if it might be a good fit. And then we do a 90 day trial because we want to make sure not every horse, it takes a very special horse to do what we do uh, because they've got to like people and they yeah. have to be able to be around a lot of people. Um, some horses are one, one people horses. And yeah. so it really does take a special horse to do what we do. Uh, and we have an amazing um, staff and trainer that, that works with them. And what's really fascinating is there's something called natural horsemanship. That is a language that we create because horses don't speak, right? They they right. live by right. cues, you know, um, looks and cues and things right. and movement. And so this language of natural horsemanship that was created to speak, you know, to connect with horses, but more about performance. It's helping your horse bail race better or, you know, mm. jump better or whatever it is that they do. Um, and we've created a natural horsemanship language that's about relationship. And so we have mm. taught our horses how to connect relationally with our kids and with people. And we teach them this language because we have probably 80 people between volunteers and staff that are working with a horse and a child. And we want the horses have to feel safe. That's their number one priority in life. They need to feel safe and they need to know that they're going to have something to eat. 
And so by creating this lang- this consistent language, when they're around all these different people, they go, well, I might not know you super well, but you're speaking my language. So mm. they can be present for the child. We want them to be calm and, and feel really good and yeah. just be emotionally present for the child uh, for whatever wow. we need to do that day. Wow. wow yeah. That's so fascinating. That's amazing. Um, Okay. So, you know, I've been geeking out over some of the, the, the business mechanics of what you guys do and, you know, best practice, because that is probably just a testament to where we are in our journey and nothing is wasted ministries and going, okay, how are other people serving people in these sectors and spaces and how are they doing well, how they're structuring it. But our whole community right now, they're listening in because they're wondering, okay, one tools for my own life. And then two tools for someone else's, you know, as I'm working with other people. So I'm curious if anybody who's listening to this, what, what can we do, right? What can the everyday person do to uh, maybe be more aware of or, or really even step in and help w- when it comes to um, helping a child who has been in trauma, right? Whether it's their own child, um, which so many of our listeners are are experiencing that um, on the in the aftermath of trauma or tragedy in their life life transition, or or if it's someone else, maybe someone else in their life. And they have the insight to know that this child has experienced quite a bit of trauma. How, how do we approach that? Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. you have two different answers. Maybe there's one answer for a parent of a you know, child and maybe another one for someone else's. I don't, I don't know. But I would just love you know, what you guys have learned to, to kind of give us some tools on that. Yeah. Well, I think um, it, the biggest thing that we've learned that I think applies not only to kids and adults is this idea of resiliency, because we all are going to experience hard things in life. It's not like I have this right. one hard experience and then everything's going to be great for the right. rest of my life. And so having tools for yourself, having skills for yourself, like yeah. really good resiliency skills, even, you know, again, Harvard talks about kids need to believe in themselves. They need to have some sense of control. Right. Um, right. They need um hope. They need faith. Even Harvard talks about a foundation of faith as one of their pillars for resiliency. And so I think kids need hope. They need to know about Jesus. They need to know that somebody cares. Again, it's that one safe adult relationship. So maybe your neighbor's child is living in a situation um, that is not ideal, but you could be that one person who's that one safe adult relationship and yeah. and knowing, helping them know there is somebody who cares, right? Yeah. For me, it wasn't necessarily a person. It was my horse, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but knowing that somebody cares, knowing that they're seen and they're heard. And obviously, if you're a parent, get your child support and help. You know, right. it's really, really important. Um, we can't fix everything for our kids. Right. And so I think the stigma, you and I kind of talked about this earlier, of ther- you know therapy or seeking help, um, we just have to get over that. And, right. and medications and all those things, are, they're so needed, right? And right. so get help for your child and don't wait. You know, um, if you're hearing things like especially any suicidal ideations and, you know, those don't go away. They just don't. And um, kids really, they really need that support uh, when they're younger so that they build those resiliency skills and can become healthy adults. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. You know, uh, my wife, Christy, and I were having this conversation yesterday as we were taking a walk. And I'm curious what your insight into this is as well, because I feel like there is a major, there's a, you know, there's a spectrum in terms of childhood experiences. And, um, on one end of the spectrum, you have, a this is polar extremes, right? You have a child who's experienced abuse, 
some kind of duress, anxiety in the home, you know, like just a very pressure filled type environment for whatever reason, right? Whether it is actual physical, emotional, verbal abuse, or whether it's just kind of like a very performance oriented home, or whether it's like a child being forced to carry something that they weren't meant to carry yet at that age and, or, you know, being forced to grow up early and that sort of thing. So you have that one, one side of the spectrum there. And then you have the other side of the spectrum where you have a child who has, because of comfort, luxury, financial means or whatever has been extremely coddled their entire mm-hmm. life. Right. They've been, they've been, um, uh, saved from essentially any sort of pain or pressure. Mm-hmm. Right. And as we we're having this conversation, we were thinking, you know, there's gotta be somewhere in this, tension where obviously to what your degree, what you're saying is they need to know they're safe growing up, but we also don't need to spare them from every single pain that could possibly come into their life. Um, we need to, in some ways, figure out how to partner with some of that pain, childhood appropriate pain. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. You know, if you're in, and. I, I have no idea if you have any thoughts on this, but this is just, this was fresh yesterday. We were having this conversation yeah. and I thought maybe you would, especially someone who you're, you're, you you grew up in yeah. an abusive home and, yeah. you know, a home that was, that had that. And yet I also see the landscape of our country quite a bit when it comes to parenting, that there can be this, like, we've got to spare our kids from every bit of pain. And, and I'm, and I'm sitting here going, well, on some degree, like growing, you know, having some pain, there's got to be, you know, that helps with resilience as well, Absolutely. at least appropriate level of it. So what, what were your, what are your thoughts on that? How, how would you merge those two? Yeah. I, I don't know. Again, I'm not a therapist. I'm not an expert, but the thing that popped into my head when you were talking about that, Davey, is just grit. Like grit yeah, is just good. something that we all need. Like we, we all need to have some determination to move forward and make things happen. Yeah. Uh, again, not like outside of what God wants to have happen, but we, hard work is really important. And it's so important for kids to know that not everything is, is free. Even, even at our ranch, just because our, our services are free, we start first with a chore. That's where we start. And our kids are scooping horse poop or they're helping to do something in the garden or whatever. And part of that is we want to be side by side and be checking in. How are you doing? Mm. Like, what are they bringing to the table? But at the same time, this is, this is hard work. Having horses is hard work. Having this ranch takes it. It's, it's there. They have an investment in, in helping their horses and, and helping the ranch. So I think just you're building that grit and that determination and knowing even though things may not go the way I want and I fall down, I've, I've got to get back up and I've got to mm. keep trying. I wow. think that's really, really something that's missing in wow. our youth today. That's so good. I, I think that from what I understand, as far as the research is concerned, even those kinds of things, working in the garden or, or scooping horse manure, whatever it is, it, the, in that working, there is there is a a level of therapy within and of itself with that, you know, absolutely. And self-satisfied, like I'm doing, I've gotten, I've gotten, look what I've done. Look at this great thing that I've completed. And I, you know, we joke about our horse's bedroom. Let's go clean our horse's bedroom, right? right. Go help him clean up. That's right. Yeah. You you know, I think about, it's funny, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You, you addressed that in terms of the horse earlier when it was like the basic needs, safety, am I going to get something to eat? Right. Am I going to get food? Well, that's so many of our basic needs, right? Do I feel safe? Do I feel like are, are are my basic needs met? That's the bottom of that hierarchy of needs, but the very top of it is self-actualization Yes. that says like, okay, I've just taken part in something that's bigger than myself. And now I feel this, uh, 
despite what anybody else may say about it, despite any kind of external accolades or affirmation that I might receive, I feel within myself satisfied by this. Yeah. And that's super important, I think, in terms of grit and resiliency. Absolutely. And that's why the the last step in our program is called Kids Give Back, because I think um, what we see is kids that are healing or have been healed. One of the markers in that is giving back. And wow. and so a lot of our kids don't want to leave and they want to be a part of, of helping the ranch and supporting the horses. And so we have these volunteer opportunities and they can stay and kids get back until they age out and become a real volunteer. So wow. it's really a beautiful thing. Wow. That's so cool. I, I know you may not be able to share, share like a lot of details, but do you have any specific stories from some of these kids of just like, man, I saw this one kid and this is the journey they went on and this is where they were at the end of all of this? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mentioned the hero horse. We have a horse named hero and, um, we have a a story of uh, a young girl named Lily and her brother. And we have permission. I want people to know to share all of these stories. Like our families would literally come on your show and they would tell you about what, what the healing that's happened. And people can go to our website and watch the videos of our, our kids and families. But, um, Lily and her little brother lived in, um, a drug, a home where there was, um, they were selling drugs, drug addiction, very dangerous situation. And um, Lily's mom had overdosed and she was four years old and she called 911. Oh, goodness. Uh, and that's how the police came and found her and her brother and, and rescued them out of that situation. And unfortunately, um, and this doesn't always happen, but in this situation, they got put into a foster care situation that was even worse than what they experienced with their family. And um, the uh, the woman that was the foster care mom was very abusive, kept her little brother who was three years old locked in a, in a crate, mm. in, a, in a cage. Uh, and this was oh on gosh. the news here locally um, in, in Raleigh. And this precious little girl at five years old had the grit, talk about grit and determination, yeah. to find an iPad and take a picture of what was happening with her brother and show it to an adult. Wow. And they were then again rescued out of this situation. Wow. And one of the one of two things that that um, we require with our kids is they have to want to be a part of what we're doing, and so because a lot of times they've had no voice, right? They've yeah. been they've been you know something has happened to them, and so we want them to participate in their um, situate in their right. healing situation, and say yes. And so when she came with her little brother and their new foster family who ended up adopting them, they are adopted with a wonderful family now. Um, she was, um, on the tour that we talked about taking them, the kids around for a tour to meet the horses. She was literally standing in front of her brother. Like she's his protector and she has always had to be his protector. So she had her shoulder, like, if you can imagine kind of like right in front of him, like I'm going to protect him. Um, and it, and it, she got a little farther away and a little farther away, the more they went on the tour. Well, just like I mentioned, sometimes kids get chosen they got to um, the group that we call our hero herd and our horse, his name is Hero, and he, he has a, a background where he helps um, horses um, be re- rehabilitated when they come mm. in and um, from being rescued right. and help train first responders how to go in and rescue horses, wow. which is just fascinating. And yeah. he's gorgeous. And, and he walked right over to Lily during the tour took his nose, put it right in her chest and said, I choose you. 
And what we've learned about Lily as she has started to heal is God has created this sense of justice and rightness and, wow. and for her to advocate for people. Yeah. Um, but we're teaching her how to do that in a healthy way, right? Yeah. As she has started to heal. And now she doesn't have to worry about her brother anymore. She knows I'm at Hope Reigns. I'm in a safe place. And he's going to be fine. And wow. so she runs to her session leader. He runs to his session leader. And um, the progress and healing that we've seen and and their family would tell you has just been unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Kim, that's incredible. That's incredible. What a moving story. And it's still obviously in, in process and in journey, but just to yeah. you know, hear about Lily. And I can tell too, this is what I love. I can tell how passionate you are about this. When you're sharing oh, yeah. her story, you know, this is like something that you are so connected to and so passionate about, and it really moves yeah. you as well. It's, it's so cool. Oh, to yeah. See that. I, I, my fires, I don't <laughs> want any kid to be in a situation where they can't yeah. talk about what they've been through and be able to process and, and find that. Yeah. Wow. That healing. Yeah. And we've got kids whose, you know, parents, we've served military families whose parents have, you know, taken their own life, um, debilitating anxiety, sexual abuse. Sexual abuse is really on the rise. So, yeah. Um, there are myriads and myriads of stories that I can tell you. Uh, and we've got kids that have gone fully through our program that are now in college. Uh, we have a young lady who's now a vet tech because of her passion wow. for, um, you know, being around animals and horses who, wow. yeah, yeah, That's it's really so cool. amazing. God is amazing. He is, yeah. he is truly healing these kids and it's truly amazing. So wow. it's amazing to watch. Well, you have such a quintessential pain to purpose story, you know, and obviously, like we said, performance was the middle word for you, but I'm curious as to how, as you're living out this purpose, how has that continued to heal you? Yeah, there's, so there's a the, really, uh, God is so in the details and, and it's just yeah. unbelievable. But, you know, I grew up again, riding this very specific breed of horse that is really, um, created to perform right. and all I wanted to do is be with my horse. And so once I, you know, we started Hope Reigns and kind of discovered what we do is be with horses, right? It's part of, yeah. of building that relationship. I wanted to rescue this specific type of breed of horse, a horse from, you know, for Hope Reigns. I right, wanted to right. rescue, it's called a saddlebred. And um, one of the only two times in our history that we've ever hooked a trailer up and just picked up a horse was Joey, who I definitely want to talk about. And then yeah. this horse, right. who I named Sela. And um, she was a saddlebred in a barn up in Boone, North Carolina, 30 horses. Um, were in this wow. barn. And when the rescue organization got there, only 11 were alive. And oh she goodness. was um, locked in her stall with no food or water. They had to <sighs> dig her out of her own excrement to get her out of this situation. Wow. And she has so many trust issues and and was just uh, really too, too much for us. But yeah, I said, right. this is the horse. God is saying this is the horse. And the whole time I'm thinking it's for Hope Reigns. This is the horse for Hope Reigns. We're right. going to bring this horse. And it took me, Davey, oh my gosh, probably a year just to build any sort of trust with her, right? And anyway, long long story short, um, she ended up not being right for our program because she just couldn't um, feel safe enough to connect for the kids. Yeah. But what I didn't realize is she was for me. She was part of my healing. And so oh, this wow. whole process of building this relationship with this horse that can't be ridden, right? 
All I could do before was ride my horse. And God brings me this exact horse that actually has a lineage connection to my old horse. It's so crazy that all I can do is be with her. I can't ride her. And it has been a huge part of my healing journey. And just even receiving that as a gift um, was really hard for me at first because everything for me was so wrapped up in this thing I was doing for God. And I had to you know, I had to perf- not perform, but yeah. I had to do this thing. Right? Right, right. So yeah, it's been a really beautiful part of my restoration. And, Man. um, she's something that I go visit, gosh, two or three times a week at least and that's hang out amazing. with her. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Well, you brought it up, right? There's uh, a volunteer of yours, I think wrote, wrote a book about this, about yes. some of this experience. And I mean, I don't really know exactly what all you've, you've put in this, but Joey is the name of the book. Joey is the name of the book. Yes. I'm going to show you. It's a beautiful little Appaloosa here, but yeah, again, this is, this is such a God thing, uh, because she was an, she's never written a book before. And Tyndale says, we don't work with unknown authors. We never published unknown authors, but they fell in love with the story. And Joey was one of our original rescued horses. And I think this is a year after we opened. And I think honestly, I was so naive. We didn't even think about it, but we got a phone call from this rescue league in Virginia that they had this blind horse um, that was being fostered and their five-year-old daughter was riding it. And were we interested in this blind horse? And I think again, so naive, I said, oh, sure. Like we'd love to come see the blind horse. And we hooked our trailer up and, and Joey's story is one um, where he was, uh, gosh, an Olympic alternate in his prime in his day. And what happens a lot of times with these horses is they get sold into situations. um, And very similar to Selah, Rescue League shows up. They think all the horses are dead on this barn and this farm, and they get there, and Joey is not dead. They they revive him, yeah. get him on a transport, um, but he was blinded from that starvation incident. And so we brought him to Hope Reigns, and he taught us so much about blind faith and um, you know what it looks like to really trust. Because think about you're leading a horse who can't yeah, see, right. uh, and. There's so many stories of Joey's impact, but there's one in the book about a little girl named Allie who was mute from her abuse. She chose to be mute from her, you know, her abuse. She was five years old when she started with us. Her foster mom had been waiting for her to turn five, and she really wanted to work with Joey. Um, but the crossroads for her was Joey. You had to work with him with voice commands, and so she had to trust and learn to speak. To this horse that couldn't see and and they built such a beautiful wow. relationship and it's woven all through the store all, all through the book and she i will tell you today is in college was in toastmasters if any of you are familiar you want to talk about speaking that's yeah. training on public speaking right i mean just an unbelievable story of, wow. of her tragedy to resilience that is so yeah, remarkable. you can pick it up. It's a national bestseller. It's <clears throat> sold over a hundred thousand copies. We don't benefit financially wow. from the book. Uh, we benefit from the awareness, obviously, but you can get it at Amazon or or any bookstore, and it's it's a great story. That is amazing, man, Kim. This is this is just fascinating. This is it's so inspiring to me. You know, again, like I said, you you are and you're leading the quintessential pain to purpose story, and we love to hear those kinds of things because it inspires all of us. Right. You have folks who are right now in that crisis moment where they're recognizing some latent trauma that they've held on to since childhood and it's coming out sideways and they're going, how do I sort through this? Right now, people are on just the very aftermath of their tragedy and they're going, how in the world could God be in this and how in the world can yeah. he use this and, and bring me to a place of healing? And again, that self-actualization moment, this purpose moment again, and you're 
providing so much hope for that. And so I'm just, I'm so inspired by what you guys are doing, obviously on a personal level, because we love the idea of being out in nature and farm and horses and all that, and what it, what it does to heal us and to help other people heal, but also just in terms of all of us, you know, what, what you represent for us. It's really, really cool. Where can we follow what you're doing? Where can we get more connected with you? Yeah, just um, really quickly to, to one other thing to tack on yeah, what you're saying. Do. We always talk about how at, at our ranch, every, we're all session kids, right? And yeah. so it's like, I think a lot of times volunteers come, people come, and they think, I'm going to help this kid. And what they don't realize is God has healing for them too, yeah, right? And I think right. that's uh, can be a really big part of people's healing journey is helping Absolutely. others when, when they're that's ready. That's like the classic missions um, trip thing, right? It's, you know, oh, I'm going to go yeah. help these people. And it's like, man, my life yes. just got completely busted up and transformed on that trip. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what the heck was that, God? Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, people can connect with us um, on our website, which is um, hopereins, R-E-I-N-S dot O-R-G. Yeah. Uh, again, there's all sorts of stories on there that they can learn about the kids and they can meet all of our horses and hear their stories. Um, we obviously need support. So we've got a $2 million budget this year that we have to fund wow. and a hundred and almost 200 kids that we're going to work with wow. um, that really need your support. They really need to, to be able to come to our ranch and experience yep. that hope and healing. Yep. Well, I want um, to encourage that if you're inspired by this and this is something that's really in, in kind of the, your passion as well, I would encourage you to make sure you give donate to, to, to hope reigns because, you know, this is, uh, like you heard it earlier, this, you know, these are really, really important endeavors that are happening, but because they're providing free services that some other people have to underwrite this and you may have the means mm -hmm. to be able to help with that. And so yeah. we want to encourage you to do that. Yeah. And we, God's really leading us um, as our answer to the mental health crisis. Our vision right. is true hope and real healing for every child. And we can't do that in Raleigh. And so he's really inspired us to help teach and train other people to do what we do because mm. we want kids in, in Indiana, Indiana, where you are and yep. Montana and anywhere that they are to have access to this type of service. And so wow. we're working on a plan right now to, to teach and train and, and really plant 200 ranches. We have a huge wow. goal, 200 ranches. So across wow. the world. And we had a woman from the U the UK the other day that was on one of our trainings. And so, wow. um, yeah, that's a, a big, a big part of our future. And then pick up the Joey book, you know, it's a yep. great read, you know, share with people, um, about, about what we're doing and, and pray for wow. us, you know, wow. obviously, you know, we, we covet your prayers and, and, uh, yeah, wow. those are some really great ways. Kim, I'm calling it right now because I just know how the Lord works through and has worked through the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Someone's going to reach out to you just because of that. They're like, man, I've been waiting to do some, I've been waiting to take the step to do something like what you're doing. And mm -hmm. I just didn't know where to start. And now they know, now they're going to be able to yeah. connect with you and get training to be able to do, and maybe they're, they're going to be one of your ranches. It's going to be great. We would love it. We would love it. Not that we're, we have all the answers, but we've right. been through, we've been through a lot. We've created a real process and, and we feel like we have something to give to other people. That's amazing. Well, Kim, thanks so much for spending time with us. This was so inspiring and it was just, I appreciate you taking the time to share with our community and bless our community. And so thanks for being yeah, with well, us. Well, thank you. It was a real honor and a privilege. Well, what do you think? You want to do some equine therapy now? I want to do some equine therapy. I want to meet mm -hmm. the different horses. I just want to walk around and follow Kim as she does what she does. I mean, no just joke. unbelievable. I know. Yeah, unbelievable. Know. We actually spent some time afterwards talking about land, and I told her some of the dreams that Christy and I have and buying oh, land. Oh, right. And 
having, you know, having nothing is wasted retreats and different things like that to help people heal. And she was just such an encourager. She actually sent Christy an entire packet of things. She was like, I, Christy's got it. Here's all a bunch of information serious? on. It was so sweet. Christy gets this package in the mail. Aww. I forgot to tell Christy. She gets this package in the mail. Oops. She's like, who's this from? I'm like, oh yeah, Kim. Oh, so sweet. Oh, that's just the so sweetest. awesome. Yeah. I forgot you guys have oh. dreams of land. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You know, that's dreams awesome. of like land and growing your own food and all that's of that survival. fun that's, you know, wellness stuff God, that Christy does. <laughs> God's blessing of land for his people. I, I like know. that. It's good. I, know. <laughs> I like well, that. Well, you really know, Aubrey, good. we've been making it a pattern or a habit to um, answer questions from the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you're new to the Nothing's Wasted podcast, new to Nothing is Wasted Ministries, we're not just a podcast, we're an entire ministry of content, community, and coaching to help you as you're partnering with God to take back your story. And so we want to invite you to join the community. We actually have a, a like almost like a social network yeah. of other people who are walking through really difficult things. You can find people there who are walking through the same exact pain point that you're walking through. That's the whole point of this community yeah. is so that there's no objection. Nobody can say, well, you don't understand what I'm going through, right? No, there, we've got people who can, who can bring some solidarity mm-hmm. to your situation there. And so I know that's very important when you're trying yeah. to heal from trauma. Yeah. So what we've been doing is we've been eliciting questions saying, hey, ask a question. We'll, we'll do our best to answer it on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. So you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash community, join our community platform, pose a question there on the main discussion feed. We'll answer that. We had a question asked Aubrey Someone at simple question, very profound though. What, how would you define redemption? Ooh. How would you define redemption? Because this is a word we use a lot. We That's say what I was just thinking. Lot. We say it a lot, but do we like really know what we're talking what about? What does it actually mean? Yeah. And it can get, it can get kind of blended in with words like healing, uh-huh. restoration, yeah. Yeah. you know, and they're not exactly the same right. things. Right. So, how would we define redemption? Oh man, I want to hear what you I want to hear. I want to hear what you have to say first. Don't put oh, me. Oh, Aubrey. <laughs> uh, I don't want to go first. Well, here's here's what I would say. I, I would say that Scripture defines redemption, uh, in in a way that brings a connotation of of someone paying a price, right, to bring something essentially off the shelf, right, yeah. out of yeah. Out of not having a use or you know utilitarian mm-hmm. purpose, and and basically paying the price to bring that person back into community, back yeah. into the family, yeah, back into purpose, yeah. That's what that's what the what scripture gives off in terms of redemption, which we can understand that right. When you redeem a gift mm-hmm. card, yeah. When you redeem a some kind of a token of value, yeah, yeah. and replace it with so you're you're buying the you're buying the purpose back into that that thing yeah. is what you're doing. Yeah. And so this is what Jesus does for us. Scripture says that we were bought with a price. We are not our own. That on the cross, Jesus purchased back for us the purpose, the God-given purpose that was it was given to us in the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, this pure, unadulterated purpose got fractured from sin, this relationship yeah. Yeah. that we were to have with the Father got fractured yeah. and severed because of sin. Yeah, and and then Jesus purchased that right back to right. reclaim us as His uh, on the cross. Right, so that's like the that's like the the kind of the the starting point of redemption in our lives is this idea of salvation. But redemption becomes kind of a continuum, I think, 
in our mm. lives as well, that we are redeemed in an instant mm. as we receive what Jesus made available to us on the mm. cross, this free gift yeah. of salvation. Yeah. Now we are justified to the Father. He doesn't see our sin anymore mm-hmm. because of the, the, the blood of Jesus. He, Jesus became the propitiation or the replacement for us, yeah. right, of our sins. He died yeah. on our, in our place. Yeah. And so now God sees us. Yep. Uh, or not us. He sees, sees Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Right. And the blood of Jesus that covers our sin. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's salvation. That's justification. Just as if I'd never sinned is the the idea there. Mm-hmm. But then there's a continual. You know, even though we're saved, there are some of these spaces, things that we go through where the enemy tries to rob that purpose from us, and pain becomes one of those. Uh, those the 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 schemes that he uses, yeah, right? The, yeah. the mechanisms that he tries yeah. to use to paralyze us. Yeah. And so the gospel can be um, you know, can be applied to that pain to redeem us from that pain as well. Mm. Because it pain tends to paralyze us from our purpose. What Jesus did for us, the finished work of the cross, the empty tomb can be applied to that situation now mm. to redeem us into glorious purpose mm. out of our pain. Yeah, that's right? so good. That's so good. So that's how I would define it if we we're going to define it kind of cerebrally. And then and practically, I usually say like, hey, redemption is not when God restores back to us what we lost. Because let's face the reality of this. Yeah. A lot of that on this side of eternity, it can't be restored back right. to us. That's right. Redemption is when we decide to partner with God in his narrative of restoring other things, restoring other people. Mm. out of the pain that we've experienced. Mm. So it's when we take our pain, we decide to turn it around to help other people. Yeah, that's good. That's when we're experiencing redemption. And so the little clues that God gives in our story that allows us to step into those invitations from God, that we go, oh, God's inviting me into turning this around to help someone else, to help partner with him to set things right again in this world. Yeah, that's That is a redemptive story, a redemptive process. So that's my thoughts. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that, you know, we, we often, I think, look to, um, uh, look to Ruth and Boaz, right. When we think about redemption, because, uh, Boaz is sort of our first, yeah, sort of our first, like, if you're going to look at like types, um, mm-hmm. no, Boaz known as a kinsman redeemer, this, uh, really this like wealthy, you know, family member who, uh, in the middle of, in the middle of Ruth and Naomi's grief and heartache, like literally being on the outside of community, uh, right. uh, Ruth having lost her husband, um, right. that he buys, uh, yep. really buys Ruth's way back, like into community and redeems right. her in that way. Um, and, and so that's where we get that. It is an economic like kind of term and Davey's right that it it really is God moving us from one place to another. Like, it's like you're moving out of your pain, heartache, sin, brokenness because of what Jesus has paid for us on the cross into God's new purpose for you. And so I, you know, I, I think sometimes it's fine. Like we overlap some of these because there's different metaphors for the gospel, right? We've got some right, that are judicial. Right. We've got some that are um, uh, penalty-based. And then we've, uh, which yeah. I guess would be judicial. But anyway, and then we've got this economic yeah. term of redemption. Anyway, that's way too cerebral. But but I think <laughs> the point Davy's making is that because of what Jesus paid for us on the cross, 
we are moved from one sphere of like brokenness, right. of sin, of heartache to another sphere where God right. in the middle of that repurposes or gives us a new purpose to see his kingdom come through us and through our pain and through our story. And yeah. that's redemption. Like when you begin to see almost that like kind of newness, like what you thought yeah. was lost is actually repurposed for something beautiful right. and and um good that's redemption right there yeah yeah and i you're right i mean i like that i i haven't thought about that i like thinking about redemption as as happening one time on the cross but something that god continually does in our story and then of course the larger story of redemption is like god right. making all things new repurposing everything new. right that's right that's right that's and good. and that's what he it's like he broke the curse of this fracturing on the cross that yeah. Jesus did, right? Yeah. And in between the time of the cross, the empty tomb, that that moment in time, and the time where he's going to, sometime in the future, make all things new, that in-between space, he's consistently inviting us to partner with him in that. Mm, yeah. He's saying, hey, you're, you, I want you to be an, I'm calling a people to myself. Yeah. To be an active participant in, showing who I am to this world and that I have a plan to, to restore this. Yeah. And there's going to be an ultimate final restoration, right? Where everything is made right. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, we get to partner with him to set things back right. And so when we do things that are, that are advancing the kingdom of God, that is an act of redemption. Yeah. Even the little tiny things that we do to advance the kingdom of God. And so I think, I think sometimes I'll hear things like that are super trite where people are like, oh, that was so redemptive when they see someone, maybe a perpetrator in their life, someone who's offended them, hurt them or whatever. They see them quote unquote, get theirs. Mm, oh, that was so redemptive. Like, no, no that's what, what would redemption. be redemptive is your heart changing yeah. to becoming more like Jesus and being compassionate toward that perpetrator. Yeah, yeah. That's redemptive. Cause yeah. it's just like what you said, Aubrey, moving you from one space mindset sphere mm -hmm. to this next one that becomes more like the image of Christ. So yeah, that's great good. question, guys. We could such talk about good, that for hours. Such good question. I love the questions that people are asking. They're asking them oh, at no. the community platform. And by the way, you can find out more at our community platform and our community plus at nothingiswasted.com slash community. Uh, Davey, yeah. you... I'm excited because we talked about this last week, but things are streamlined there. And so Man. we have all kinds of resources all for kinds people of resources. that are like, right. um, uh, what's user-friendly. Like it is so right. easy. If you go to nothingiswasted.com slash navigate. Yeah. Tell the people everything right. that is available. Easy to find bonus episodes, mini courses, topics that we've taken, like how to read your Bible and how do I hear God's voice and what do I do when it comes to like seasons of waiting or, you know, that like seasons of transition, like really practical mini courses that we mm -hmm. have right there. We have live re or replays of our live coaching that we do once a month of our master classes we do once a month. We have replays of any live events that we've done. All of that's tucked behind this wonderful content library. You can access it for $20 a month or $200 a year. You get kind of that price break if you do the annual plan. And really, aside from you getting all kinds of great content and content we're continuing to put up there, mm -hmm. this is really supporting this ministry, right. really helping us to advance the mission of this ministry. Uh, practically speaking, you're helping us to staff it so we can put more content back there. We can yep. reach more and more people. 
and you're helping us to make strategic decisions as we grow as a ministry. So thank you so much for those of you guys who are Community Plus members. Yeah, really, thank uh, you. Members, and we'd love to encourage you to do that. Nothingiswasted.com slash community. We also want to thank, while we're in the mode of thanking, we want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Download and stream his music anywhere you can download and stream music. You can follow us at Instagram, or at Instagram. <laughs> you can also follow Instagram at Instagram. <laughs> yeah, you, can you can follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Follow me at Davey Blackburn and you can follow Aubrey at Obsamp. And Aubrey, next week, we've got a really, really powerful interview, a heavy interview mm. um, with Esther Lee. Yeah. And um, her her daughter passed away at the age of eight after battling Ugh. leukemia for several years. So this is a heavy interview. Yeah. But yeah. I'm telling you what, man, what this woman speaks into us during this conversation, you're not going to want to miss. So go mm. ahead and take... A listen to this little clip from my conversation with Esther Lee. Very few people can understand um, this type of deep pain, um, but I found that strangers, uh, even if you're, you know, even if we're strangers, when we're connected by um, right. a bond like this, it, it, it's. It's like an instant family, I like to say, right? Um, It's even more, it's a deeper connection than maybe even my, some of my best friends from prior to going through this. Um, They're amazing, um, but people who have experienced it, you don't have to say too much for them to understand exactly where you're at um, and um, exactly how difficult it is and how difficult it's going to be. 